Welcome to the Birth Library. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Georgie and in today's session I speak with Kat. It was a massive surprise when Kat found out she was pregnant with her son Aubrey and Kat gave birth at Lismore Hospital after being induced for going over her due date. Kat had a really positive induction experience. She felt supported and felt she had a voice as Aubrey's birth unfolded. I think positive induction experiences are so important to share, so I'm so excited to be bringing you Kat's story today. Kat also talks about her ongoing navigation of postnatal depletion. I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for joining me, Kat. No problem, Georgie. So I thought we'd start off by speaking about yourself outside your role as a mama and introduce who is in your family and where you live. I live in Guinegary in northern New South Wales. I grew up here and lived away and then moved back. I'm a student osteopath um, and I'm a massage therapist uh, and I work in a coffee shop. Um, in my family, there is myself, my partner, Brendan, and my 15-month-old baby, Aubrey. You have a gorgeous, growing community of mothers on your Instagram page, Byron Bumps Massage, which I've really been enjoying following along. And Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's a lovely project, actually. I just started it um, kind of wanting to just get back into the treatment and massaging, and I thought... Who needs this, you know, more than mums? And um, mm. with my experience, um, like I'd treated, I'd treated um, pregnant women before, but after being one, I was like, oh my god, I so understand now. Um, and then um, the feeling of wanting to give back in postpartum as well. Um, I remember getting a massage after having Aubrey, and it was like the most amazing thing I've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone listening who wants to follow along, so that's Byron Bumps Massage and Kat is a amazing masseuse. You travel to people, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I um I do home visits and I also work in Mullum in a little studio. And um yeah, Instagram's the best way to find me. And it was through that account actually that I learned about your incredible, incredible mind-blowing story about how you found out you were pregnant. I was wondering if you could share that with us. Sure. Um, well, a little backstory. I met my partner in um, 2015 on um, Tinder. Um, we both come out of relationships and went totally not interested in anything serious. Um, and he was one of my handful of boyfriends at the time that I was sort of just dating on and off and it wasn't serious and one of our first conversations was about like do you want to be a parent mm. um which was kind of funny looking at it now so yeah we dated um most weekends because it was long distance and you know slowly I stopped dating other people and he stopped dating other people and we were like oh my goodness I think I'm in love <laughs> um and yeah, around sort of like a year into that, um, I'd always been, not always, but for a long time I'd been on a gluten-free diet 
because I um, had had some problems with my ovaries in the past and um, I was under the impression I was pretty infertile and like there wasn't a lot of good stuff going on in my my guts and my um, you know reproductive organs and and so I was kind of on this diet to help cure that and um, I, I started to get some symptoms again and I was thinking oh I've been a bit lazy, actually. Dating makes you eat a lot um, because you're, you know, you're going out to restaurants and and you start to get a bit slack about what you put in. And and so I um, went to my doctor and I got um, a referral for um, some celiac testing. And basically, what they get you to do is eat heaps and heaps and heaps of celiac um, of um, gluten. So having lots of baked goods from the bakery that I worked in. <laughs> and um, I noticed that I was getting a bit softer around the edges. And um, I remember one time Brendan mentioning that my boobs were really big. <laughs> anyway, um, but my symptoms were getting worse. Um, and I was thinking, like, this is not good. So there were symptoms like cramping and um, a little bit of, like, you know, uh, constipation and stuff like that, that, you know, isn't very glamorous or pleasant. Um, but nothing like horrible. Anyway, I got some blood work done and it came up really scary and it, it seemed like I might have like the start of maybe ovarian cancer. And I went in to get, um, get some ultrasounds done and they pretty much fast tracked me because they were really concerned. And, um, yeah, I was in my, ultrasound chair um, and I had to get a pretty serious ultrasound where they don't just look on the outside they had to you know put a probe inside my vagina and and look up um, so they could get a really good look at my ovaries and yeah it was during that time and I'm I'm scared and I've I've told my parents that I'm worried and I've told Brendan that I've worried and I've told my friends that I'm worried and 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 you know so they're all on the line waiting for me to call them and tell them I'm either okay or or maybe I need some support because I'm going through some health issues. Mm. And um, anyway, so I kind of knew I could call someone afterwards. <laughs> um, so I'm in, sitting in the chair and I'm nervous. Um, and my technician kind of made some noises like, oh, <laughs> hmm. And she started looking elsewhere, like mm. away from where I knew my ovaries were. And I kind of know my body and I was like that that's not my ovaries anymore. Like, what, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And, um, and she's like, so you, you do have a cyst. And I was like, okay, here we go. You know? And she's like, it's, um, it's just here. And she pointed the, the screen to me and she pointed to it. And she's like, just here where you've released an egg from this uh, left ovary. And, as you can see here, um, you've implanted, and what you're looking at here is a heartbeat. Wow! <laughs> wow! I just I can't I can't even imagine sort of that feeling going from okay, my body could be really ill, really seriously really Ill. ill, to my body is growing another life and sort of yeah. For me, pregnancy is the human body and it's just most incredible form. So to go from thinking, oh, my body could be, you know, letting me down a bit, I could be unwell to, wow. 
creating creating life I just can't fathom how that would have felt for you how did that feel what were your feelings there I just I couldn't speak um I was so shocked and um she gave me a minute and (laughs) if anyone's ever had an ultrasound on their um belly um or you know um ovaries or anything they know that they've got to have a bladder full of liquid and um so I'm pregnant and I have a really full bladder and I was dying to pee but I just assumed it's because I had a really full bladder um but that's obviously what one of the early signs of pregnancy is like desperate to pee all the time um so anyway she told me and she just didn't really you know say much more she kind of let let it sink in and then she looked at me and I burst into tears and she said you can go and wee now (laughs) and so I went into the bathroom and just howled I just sat down and howled (laughs) and I was like processing it all and you know I was thinking like I can't believe it and then I was trying to think of how it would make sense and how did I miss this and oh my god this is where all these symptoms are maybe coming from and um, you know, how how did my doctor miss it, you know? And and what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. Was a huge thing and the technician was very, very professional and she you know, she didn't congratulate me or anything like that. You know, um obviously that can be a really um negative thing to find out if you're not wanting a pregnancy. So she was very sensitive about it. Yeah, she just let me kind of uh process it and she she was like, Would you like to see some more? And um, funnily enough, I was about to study embryology at uni. And so I was about to be looking at embryos for, you know, six months. And I was like, actually, yes, I would like to see more. And so she took me through um, what was going on in my body. And at that point, I was seven weeks pregnant. And um, at at that point, um, yeah, I could see like a little shape. Um, It didn't look like a human yet, um, Mm -hmm. but it had a heartbeat and it had yeah a form and it was definitely there it was unmissable and um yeah it was very interesting to hear you know the science behind it she kind of went through a lot of it washed over me because I was still like oh my god total (laughs) shock and then I called Brendan who was in Brisbane and waiting to hear from me as well um he was in the shower and um took the phone call anyway um and I'm like honey do you have a minute and he was like, yeah, 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 it's fine. And I could hear the shower water in the background. Um, and I'm, I'm like, um, so I don't have cancer. And he's like, cool, that's really great. I'm so relieved. And I'm like, but, and he's thinking, yeah, um, I'm, I'm pregnant. And he just went, I'm going to have to call you back. And... <laughs> I sat in the car with that hanging in the air for not that long, maybe like five minutes. Must have felt he, like an eternity though. It did, yeah. And I'm sure it felt like an eternity for him as well. But he yeah. just um, got dressed and, yeah, and got himself in a space where he could actually have this conversation with me. So over the next day or two, we did um, really talk about it and we decided that we were ready to take the plunge and we did. And so you talk about all those um, symptoms you had quite early on and your body was definitely telling you things were changing. How did you feel throughout the rest of your first trimester and into your second trimester? 
I was really lucky. Um, so it did turn out a lot of what was going on for me was to do with the gluten. Um, okay. I'm not a celiac in the end, but I am sensitive. So I got back on my gluten-free diet and immediately felt better. Um, but I did have a little bit of morning sickness. Um, <laughs> I just remember one particular moment where we've got, um, we live in a shed and uh, it's still a bit like a shed. Um, and we sometimes get rats. And one morning I got up and a rat had started to eat an avocado on the bench. And I just remember like really feeling like so creepy. And so mm. like weeks afterwards, every time I talked about it or thought about it, I couldn't handle the thought of like a half-eaten avocado. <laughs> oh, it's such a incredibly strong experience, isn't it? That's just yeah. repulsion. Mine was root vegetables. And so oh, even wow. now, when I think of parsnips, yeah, get that feeling in my throat where I just can't. Um, oh, yuck. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's so interesting the way your body just becomes so repulsed by something and that image stays in your mind of yeah, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. What sort of model of care did you decide to go with and did you do any classes or breastfeeding courses to prepare? I did take a little while to get my act together and it was looking like I was going to get into a midwifery program for a while because um, it just turns out that everyone comes to the Byron Shire to have a baby and um, there's only so many places. Um, but eventually I got a call back from the Byron Hospital and I got assigned a midwife there and I decided to take on a student midwife as well, which was the best decision I've ever made. Um, it was just so such a good experience for me. Um, I did um, some prenatal classes as well, but again, it took me a while to get my act together, and I didn't end up finishing them. I only did, I think, I think there might have been ten classes, and I maybe maybe did eight of them. But um, no specific breastfeeding classes. Um, although I feel like I did a lot of research myself. It is really nice to have that online community that you can go to, lots of different forums and things like yeah. that. As your pregnancy started to progress and obviously the dust has settled on the massive shock that it would have been to find out you were pregnant, how were you feeling emotionally? I was feeling so optimistic. Um, I just felt like everything in the world was happening the way it should. And mm. And I just had this real sense of calm and, and, you know, excitement. And I just, I remember, like, we were renovating the shed um, not long after I found out I was pregnant. Brendan offered to move in with me and, and we were going to turn what was a very small apartment into a larger one that we could all live in. And the project's still going, <laughs> but it's a much, much different place to where we started. And, um, yeah, it just was so exciting, you know. Um, building a place to call your own and I was in that full honeymoon stage of, of our romance as well and, and so everything was just super rosy and yeah I was feeling really like I said I was feeling really good in my pregnancy and we went on a, um, a baby moon which was such a great idea we went to Tasmania and, and um, yeah it was just very romantic and lovely and so nice to have that time to connect and yeah and I think because we we were sort of yeah a newish couple and, and kind of throwing ourselves in the deep end it felt like it was necessary to do something to mark the occasion you know yeah absolutely. um of coupledom before family time 
And physically, how was your body feeling? I was getting big pretty early. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I think part of that was just like you just puff out at the beginning of of pregnancy. And um, (laughs) I was working in that pastry shop and, and people were not saying anything, but I just... I just know because they told me afterwards that everyone was just like, whoa, that girl eats too many croissants. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the truth was at that point I stopped eating the croissants. Yeah, you weren't allowed the croissants. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I puffed out a lot to start with and then I kind of made sense of my body and um, I, I felt so beautiful. I mm. felt like a goddess. And um, actually one thing I really I'm glad I did was get some maternity photos done and um a good friend of mine is a photographer and around um maybe 38 weeks I I got some photos done and you know I pranced around nude in in like the sunset and they are the most beautiful photos I'll treasure forever and And yeah I completely attest to that too I've seen them and they're gorgeous (laughs) yeah, yeah and I did feel as every bit beautiful as the photo turned out so um yeah I think like for some women it is a struggle to see them like themselves changing and and stuff but I think part of it is just really accepting this is a short time in your life so I wondered Kat now if you could just uh talk us through your final stages of pregnancy your your full term now and what things are happening surrounding your pregnancy and plans for your labour? So originally, yeah, like I said, I was booked in with um, Byron and the birth suite in Byron is um, beautiful, but it's only for uncomplicated cases. And as I was getting towards my due date, I was feeling like, yeah, I'm going to go overdue. Like I felt it. And, um, I already knew we found out that we were having a boy and, and so I already knew I was having a boy and, and I just had I had an intuition about that as well and, and I was like, I think I'm right this time again and and I know that I was um like my mother was overdue for me and and my brother and, and it just tends to go that way. Um so yeah, I wasn't um hugely disappointed when I didn't, you know, go into labour uh, on my due date, um, or before. But as as I crept into the 41st and 42nd week, um, I was getting a bit over it. And um, I'd, I'd felt really, really good right up until maybe the 40, like end of the 41st week. And yeah, at 42 weeks, um, I knew that I was losing the opportunity to have my baby um, you know, in the fancy new hospital uh, and I had to look at other options and possibly getting induced um, which you know I don't think anyone goes into uh, pregnancy like yeah I hope I get induced <laughs> there's a lot of negative press about it um, and so I kind of had done my reading and I knew that you get induced you know a lot of intervention and it's much more likely you wind up with in emergency C-section. That's just how it is. That's the statistics. Um, anyway, so I was a bit like I determined, you know, I was doing all the things and I was walking heaps and we were um, eating whatever we wanted, you know, all of the caution to the wind. I was like, more sushi, please. And <laughs> just doing whatever. Um, and then, yeah, it came to 
kind of the end of that and I had to say goodbye to my midwife and um and check myself in with Lismore um to have my baby there and we had a lot of appointments and um it was starting to get a bit absurd. I'd go in, they'd check me, they'd be like, Wow, you're going really well. Um, you know, let's schedule the inductions for the end of the week. Um, you know, right at the end of your due date. Also they moved my due date, um, because it was looking like it was gonna be really close, close call, um, and they wanted to give me as long as I could to go into labor by myself before I got induced. Um so they shifted me from February 13th to February 16th. And um, at this point, it was more like um, March, <laughs> uh, March 1st, March 2nd. And I was going into Lismore every day in the morning with Brendan, who's taken a whole week off work. Um, yeah, and we'd go in at 7 in the morning and they'd check me and I'd be fully effaced and like, still closed but they were like yeah you're you're ready to go hey and I had been spending the last few nights in pre-labor and and like having these awful contractions through the night and and trying to time them but they never went anywhere and um yeah ended up going in um on third um for our definite induction and um I got induced that day. This whole time I had my midwives on the phone and especially my student midwife who was just like the most supportive, amazing human. And um, she would call me regularly and I would call her when I was feeling scared or worried. And, and the last few days I was feeling a little bit of all of the things and so emotional. Your emotions are bananas at the end of the pregnancy. And um yeah, I just remember being on the phone and just sobbing and just saying, I really wanted to do this by myself. And her just saying, you know, in the end of the day, you're going to have a baby and, and you'll look back and you won't worry about this stuff. And and I was like, thank you. I need to hear that, you know. Mm. Aren't midwives just golden? Absolutely They're golden. Yeah. They're just so good at what they do and, and it's just such an important role in society. And yeah. Absolutely. and. We're so fortunate in our healthcare system that we have that midwife support. It's It's incredible. incredible. Yeah, really is. Can you talk us through entering the hospital and what happened there for you and Brendan? Yeah, so we we drove in um, early that morning. We were meeting our student midwife who was luckily able to come with us to the the new hospital even though um, she was originally with us at Byron. And that's the benefit of having students. So I highly recommend take, taking one on if you can. Mm. Um, and yeah, met met with her at seven a.m. at Lismore and and met the midwives that would be taking me on. Um, and I was like still contracting regularly, and it felt like real labour. You know, they were real labour pain, and, and the contractions were long and hard, and and I had to really focus to get through them but they were just stopping and they weren't consistent and so my midwife sort of checked me and yeah I, like I said I was fully effaced for a few days um which a lot of people were saying well that's the hard part you know you're you're going to have a quick labor and I was like yeah sweet mm-hmm. um and then I um I was given about two hours, so after they checked me in and stuff, I was given about two hours to go into labor by myself because they were like, well, you know, you're kind of going into labor, but you're not. 
So before we juice you up, we're just going to let you walk the stairs, go and eat something, um, you know, go and cuddle, um, make yourself a home. And so the pressure was on a little bit. I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to have this baby right now. Like I'm like running up and down the stairs. And I'm super pregnant at this point. I'm like ridiculous big. I'd made this dance playlist and I put it on loud as I could and I'm dancing and I'm crumping and shaking my bum and yeah I'm like determined anyway the two hours passes and I'm still the same and they're like I'm so sorry and I had written my birthing plan up on the wall they let you do that sometimes and and you know they all kind of looked at it and looked at me and were like we'll we'll see how we go you know um so in my birthing plan obviously it was like no pain, medication, you know, just exhaust all the natural options first and I'd like to, you know, labour in the tub and I'd like to have delayed core cramping and, you know, all of the kind of things that, especially in Bionshire, we all hold them on a pedestal as the best way to have a baby. And to their credit, they were all really understanding that that's what I wanted and um, some of those things I did get to achieve. Um, But, yeah, so I'm... I'm juiced up, so they they put a needle in me and gave me the syntocin drug, um, which is the synthetic oxytocin that gives you um, the contractions. The amazing thing about Lismore is that they have you on a um, mobile um, kit, so you can still move around. Um, you just take your little, um, what's it called, drip with you everywhere you go. Um, but you're able to walk around the room and you, and the monitor that I was wearing around my belly was also waterproof, um, which meant that I could go in the water, um, which I was very excited about. So I think, yeah, that's amazing. I, yeah, I was really pleased that I got to kind of have those options. Um, obviously not at that point, but later on. Um, so I had my music pumping and my midwives and I were really chatty and, um, and Brendan was, you know, his normal charming self and, and we were all getting along really good and and it just felt like the most surreal weirdest experience because I'm you know I'm contracting and and you know in pain but then in between them I was just fine and yeah I was excited you know I was mm-hmm. about to meet my baby like and I didn't really I couldn't really fathom how long everything was going to be and so I just didn't really consider it I suppose so at one point I started to get like a little bit overwhelmed with my contractions they were I was welcoming them like a, you know like a a wave that I knew would come and go and and I had Brendan on my back massaging me um through him and and that was really good and I felt like I was managing them really well um but with uh with, with the synthetic oxytocin they can kind of pump you up or pump you down and um they'd pump me up to a point where I wasn't handling it anymore and and my contractions were happening so fast and so furiously that I was going to probably pass out if they had kept going you know I was really not coping and um and I couldn't really um, explain that and, and it did take some observation to realize that that's what was happening for me. Meanwhile, the whole time, um, Aubrey was fine. Um, 
he did keep moving around, which was difficult because then they had to keep finding him with the um, monitor, which is this awful strap they put around your belly that feels too tight all the time, but it has to be so that it stays on. And you're this weird egg shape and, you know, no belly's the same as each other. So they can't really make them fit to form very well. After not very long, I was like, okay, this is pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> do I have to wear this the whole time? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, do I know? And they're like, you do. <laughs> at, at one point, I was allowed to get in the tub. Um, and they, it took forever for them to fill it up. Like, it felt like forever. And I'd been asking for a while and they kind of were like, well, you, you have to be at a certain, you know, diameter dilated. And, and I was like, do I though? Because I'm being a juice. Like, can't you just do it anyway? And they were like, oh, actually, yeah, we probably can. But I was at five centimeters at that point where they put me in. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this is the most amazing feeling in the world. Getting in that tub was the most incredible pain relief I could have imagined. And I'd heard that it was going to be good, but I just didn't really know how good it was going to be. And it was just so nice. And I could rest in there. And I found myself able to um, really rest between contractions. And I was having micro sleep, I guess. Um, I started to get a bit of a fever and... um, and so they had to get me out and warm me up. Um, and I remember being freezing, but I was wrapped in towels and things after I got out. And I got very um, nauseous and was vomiting a lot. So they put some anti-nausea medication in my drip, um, which I suppose helped, but it did take a while. Um, but while I was in the tub, not, nothing really happened. Um, to my cervix and that tends to be the case sometimes if you go into early uh, it slows down labour um, and I guess it's the weightlessness and, and stuff so that's not really pushing down anymore um, as when I got out and was vomiting the pressure of vomiting really opened things up and I went from yeah that five centimetres to um, fully dilated in about two hours um, which felt felt like no time at all after an entire day. So I was there at seven in the morning, and and this was definitely night time by now. Um, and so after a lot of vomiting and stuff, I was allowed to get back in the tub, which I was like, yes. Um, <laughs> and um, after not, which didn't feel very long. Um, I really wanted to push. I got that overwhelming undeniable sensation that I wanted to push and I told my midwife this brand new midwife at this point so I'd gone through this was my third (laughs) she was like yeah cool go for it you know if you want to if you feel that there's no need to not um and I kind of had mixed um feedback about whether or not you should push as soon as you feel it and um anyway so I, I took her word for it and I went for it so I'm in the tub pushing and I'm thinking to myself really smugly, oh, that wasn't so bad. I, uh, yeah, a couple of pushes that I'm going to see my baby. I could put my hand down and feel his head, um, which felt like right there. And yeah. 
and I was like, oh, yes. You know, I was so excited. I felt this new sense of energy. Mm. Um, I felt like the whole room was like more energetic, and and I was thinking, yeah, um, you know. Anyway, it wasn't happening. I pushed for four hours and had to get out of the tub again um, due to getting cold, and um, and I needed a lot of guidance and a lot of help. And Aubrey was kind of dropping in and out of like distress um and there started to be some talk especially kind of on that sort of three hour mark of of intervention and I was so against it and my midwife was really helping rally against that she was like I believe she can do it and you know we just got to give it another little while but um yeah there was a point where I was just in all the different positions I could think of. And when I felt the urge to come and push, you know, I was screaming, my guttural scream, like I was trying to make this noise deep down in my guts. And (laughs) um, I remember being really conscious about trying not to kind of grit my teeth and trying not to, um, you know, push my neck out and stuff. And I was trying really hard to focus my energy all down and um it's hard (laughs) it's hard after four hours to kind of maintain I was kind of getting feedback from my midwife that that I didn't look like I was pushing properly and it was frustrating because I was like well how how am I supposed to do it (laughs) but um I think it's one of those things as well that I know for me I thought okay pushing it just my body will know what to do and that's not always the case it's a really sort of learnt technique in in some situations where you do have to yeah be guided and yeah. yeah so I was kind of getting guidance from my midwife she would put her, her fingers on a spot and say push here um and that was helping and after what seemed like forever um I was starting to make some progress and I was starting to crown and um I felt like I crowned for a very long time um and it turned out that Aubrey's head was very elongated and long um, and so huge and dark. Um, so it did sort of stay that way for a while where I had, they had vision of him, but he wasn't going to go anywhere. And I started to freak out. I was like saying in between contractions, like, I can't do this. And, you know, I thought I could do it, but I don't think I can. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not. Like he's so close, but he's so far, and and I don't think I can. And my midwife was like, "You can, you can, you can." You know, they were amazing. Um, you're doing it. You're doing it. You know, just keep doing it. And eventually, I had another midwife come in because she was obviously hearing this whole thing going on. Um, so she was just down the hallway, and she came in. So I had two midwives and my student midwife, and. I think the doctor maybe as well. And then Brendan was um, holding my hand and I was leaning over the bed, um, kind of squatting. And I had pretty much four sets of hands kind of trying to gouge this baby out of my vagina. Mm. (laughs) And it was pretty horrific. (laughs) Um, But they did, they got him out and, the feeling of him kind of slipping out. So the head obviously took a while to birth, but then 
his body just kind of went Bleh. and that feeling took my breath away i i just went Bleh! and took like a giant gasp and and looked at Brendan who was like pretty much crying mm-hmm. and and they said you've done it cat and they took him away, away straight away because heaps of um meconium came out at the same time um which is the fetal fe- uh feces and often that happens when there's a stressed baby so he was under stress at that last point because he was stuck there for I don't know I'm not sure how long and um yeah the birthing process for him was a bit traumatic and he did have to get kind of yanked out um in the end so I kind of like my I remember my whole body just turned to jelly um and all of those feelings kind of changed and I went from that like incredible pain of like my body tearing and um yeah the desire to push and all of those feelings to feeling like I was like floating away and yeah it was the weirdest thing um and I got helped onto the bed but I kind of don't remember it happening like I just know that I did and I was like where is he what's happening and they they'd taken him and they'd cut the cord kind of immediately um because he was under stress and um they'd just taken him over to like the bench to um, clean him up and check him and and everything and his first APGAR is that what they call it Okay. score wasn't that great but the second one was fine so they take them a couple of minutes apart I think um I should probably know that <laughs> it's all um, it's a blur it is yeah it happens it's to you blur. it's just a blur yeah so. but then yeah then they handed him to me and yeah it was just the most wild feeling and mm-hmm. I was so high um and I just couldn't stop laughing and I was crying and laughing and kind of like jibber jabbering and, and just, yeah, didn't really, couldn't kind of believe that I'd done that and I'd made this human. And they were showing me my placenta and, and everything. And I remember being like, yeah, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I do care. Um, but it was, yeah, it was like so secondary to what had just happened for me. And yeah, I had to um, get the shot to um, get my placenta out. Um, I wanted to birth that naturally as well. And yeah, it, yeah, you just have to kind of make some compromises, I think, in the circumstances. And because Aubrey wasn't coping, um, there was no option but to get him out and, and cutting the cord was part of that process. So I had to kind of make make amends with that I know for myself um, my midwife said because you're induced and you have all this syntocin in your body we suggest you have the shot because if we suddenly stop the syntocin and there can be this sudden sort of drop off and um, the placenta doesn't come out or was it yeah because he was distressed that they did well I think the cutting of the cord was because he was distressed that the placenta thing was the same as you so um, yeah I think it was more that like there were risks involved in keeping it in um, at that point and it was just a um, safer option to get it out and it was big and huge and beautiful and like veiny and yeah pretty wild to look at and, and my student midwife was just gooing over it she was just like this is the most incredible presenter it's so big and like 
my partner Brendan is not great with blood and he was just like, okay, can you put it away now? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we took it home and it's actually still in our freezer because we haven't planted it yet. And and I was keeping it in the freezer in case I wanted to ingest it, but I didn't end up doing that. I had my baby. It was five in the morning at that point. So I'd been there, um, you know, almost 24 hours Mm. and I finally had my baby. Um, and my doctor came in to do my stitches because I had had a um, third degree tear um, and she sort of said to me like we should probably go up to theatre to do this like usually we do it in theatre but um, you know if, if you are okay with that I'll just do it now and I was like I don't want to go anywhere yeah just do it here and um, she's like, it's probably going to hurt. And I was like, I just gave birth. Like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine. I got my sister's son in there and she sort of said to me like, yeah, it's probably not a great idea to have another baby soon. Like, this is pretty, pretty severe tear. And um, if you got pregnant too early, you'd probably have to do a C-section. And then I was just like, oh, I didn't realize that it was that bad. Wow. But I, I guess it was because I... Um, had so many hands and stuff up there helping him out, but I was I was happy uh, to have a tear naturally than to have an episiotomy, um, just from what I know about scar tissue and and everything. So, um, but yeah, I was very aware that I've been through some traumatic stuff, and then that my poor little vagina was not ever going to be the same. <laughs> and I think that's such a great um, point that you just touched on there, the difference between an episiotomy and a natural tear and the way they heal. Uh, yeah. There is a big difference. And when an episiotomy is cut, the um, the tissue has a hard time forming back together and healing. And a, often the scar is raised and can become quite irritated whereas when it's natural because there's sort of a a, a jagged yeah a jagged right. shape the tissue f- finds its way back together much easier and I think that's so important for women to know I yeah I, I think a lot of women don't have that talked about by the healthcare providers later on when I um was seeing some doctors about like seeing some gynecologists about that um yeah they were very impressed at how well I'd healed and I was thinking that yeah I made the right choice like yeah I'm glad I did ask for one or and I think I did get offered at one point and I said no Mm. there's no scar and like it's everything's kind of like it was yeah the other point was the the pushing for so long is is kind of protocol would stop that generally and I think that was like my power to my midwives still are allowing me to kind of go past the I think what a lot of hospitals would say is um you know maybe two hours is the maximum for pushing and um I did have I had my gynecologist kind of like rousing on my midwives um during my um meeting with her when she kind of read my notes and I was like I wouldn't change that for anything I was you know, like obviously it was a long time, but like I got, I got to have my baby in the end, and yes, it took me longer, but maybe I just started pushing too early, or yeah, like you don't know the ins and outs of that, and I think having like set time limits and stuff, like yeah, every every birth is so different, and I think that I'm really 
happy the way that things went that they gave me the benefit of the doubt and I got to keep going. Kat, this is just such a beautiful story and it's such an important story and I'm just listening, being so blown away by all the options you were given and, you know, we talk about empowered inductions and this is such an important story because you were given options and you had a voice. And I really did. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much fear about um, induction being, you know, like I was saying at the beginning, like I thought that was just going to be this downward spiral towards, you know, an involuntary surgery, basically. And it wasn't. It was definitely labor and Mm -hmm. it was definitely all of the things I thought I would do during labor. Like the only thing that really was super annoying about it was the constant monitoring but I I didn't mention this earlier. We kind of decided early on we were going to have a really positive relationship with the whole thing because we knew for a few days that we were going to be induced. Um, we named the drip um, Sexy Alan. Um, <laughs> That's so great. Because he was like my sexy skinny man that went everywhere with me. And, yeah. um, and or every midwife that came in just went with it. And they were talking about it and no one ever said the word drip. They always said sexy Alan. And like, so I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. And they're like, just make sure you take sexy Alan with you. And yeah, and it was just that little things like that, that like having a sense of humor during yeah. like what is, potentially a really scary time and uh, really helped with the mood and it gave it a different tinge and I think that that helped me like form a really happy bond with my midwives and and my team around me and um yeah I think like overall I would look back on my birthing experience and I would say it was a really good birth it was long but it was my first baby and they're always mm-hmm. long like and it was hard, but actually it's called labor because it's fucking hard work. And yeah, I just think like, although a lot of women are afraid of induction, it's not always a sentence um, that ends in your giving away your freedom and, and giving away your rights. And and I, I'm not sure if I just had a specifically exceptional experience um, or if it can be like that for everyone. And birth is so important. It has huge ramifications on the way you feel as a mother, particularly yeah. in those early days, just heading towards your initial postpartum period. So about the first three months, how were you feeling? I took my placenta home and had a um, business card for a woman who did um, placenta encapsulation. And I was like ready to dial any second that I felt like I was really feeling the blues. But I was on a high for easily those three months and I just, I got to go home that day. So 5am I had the baby. I got to go home at about lunchtime. My mum and dad came to visit. Um, You know, we did all the hearing tests and stuff and then, um, yeah, we were allowed to go and it felt weird. Like when, I'm not sure if it's like that for everybody, but like when you take your baby home, you kind of feel like you're feeling it because it's, it's the strangest still. Like you're like, who is, like, who is letting me do this? <laughs> you know, I'm allowed to go home with this baby. Oh, okay. I guess I'm doing this then. And yeah, like getting him home was so exciting. And then we just passed out for, you know, the whole day pretty much. 
I had been given such a gift. Motherhood was just this beautiful ride. And yeah, it was tiring and stuff, but I was so, um, yeah, full of good, happy, love juju that I felt so good. Um, having said that, I also had no bloody idea what I was doing. And um, one of the benefits of going home early was that we got to kind of, yeah, bond as a family at home. But one of the negatives was that I I didn't really get my breastfeeding going immediately. And he he fed, you know, straight after birth. Um, and they kind of checked that I'd got him on and, and I'd latched him. But I guess there wasn't a heap of um, monitoring around that. And, and so when I got home, I didn't really know how often they're meant to feed. And, and Aubrey just slept so much that I didn't kind of wake him up to feed him or anything. And when he was awake, I just kind of cuddled him and looked at him and stuff. And then my midwives came to visit and they're like, how's breastfeeding going? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, not really, not really needed to do it much yet. And they're like, what? <laughs> now I'm freaking out that I hadn't even done it much. Um, and so immediately they sort of like got me stripped off and stripped off the baby and, um, yeah, got the breastfeeding happening and, um, and it was not an easy ride. Um, and and for a few days they would, they would come every day and I would be in tears trying to get him on and he would be screaming and yeah I was like oh this is not what I thought it would be and I like I said I thought I'd done all this research on it but breastfeeding isn't just a one way street your baby has to participate mm-hmm. and and you're both learning and they have these teeny tiny mouths and you have these big puffy weird nipples from from pregnancy and birth and and you're so engorged the first few days I was like so overwhelmed with how to work these brand new things that I yeah I'd always been pretty flat chested so I was just like holy god what do I do but yeah postpartum I had um I had prepared myself some pad stickles so I I got some big maternity pads and I soaked them with witch hazel and I got some, um, like some herb mix made up at um, Mullen Herbals and put a few drops of that on it and put them in the freezer. And so I would cycle those through with some normal pads. And the healing was amazing. I was I was feeling relieved and it was also healing me so well. Um, and because I had so many stitches, I was you know, at a little bit of risk of getting an infection and, and nothing like that happened. So, yeah. I think that was partly, you know, keeping really on top of that hygiene and and also like just really being really attentive to self care around around those delicate areas that were very different and and engorged and sore and um yeah. But in general, like I was saying, my mood was so positive that all of these challenges kind of came up and uh, you know I was emotional as anything because you are um, and a total cocktail of hormones. Um, but, but the overarching sensation was like, how lucky am I that I get to do this? Mm. Having said that, after about maybe six months, I went the opposite way and had what I now kind of recognize as a postnatal depletion where I'd been, you know, breastfeeding that whole time and maybe not keeping on top of my own nutrition properly and all the sleep deprivation that comes with being a mum and 
and everything and it just wears you down and I think like I I just ran out of my supply (laughs) of good juju and and yeah even now um I'm still struggling to kind of get back to a good place um health-wise especially in my mental health and it's and it's something that you know people talk about postnatal depression and I think it's really important to talk about that and to recognize that it can happen to anybody um, you know, you don't have to just be someone who's at risk, you know, and that is really prevalent as well. And a lot of people have it and don't talk about it, but, but you don't have to be fully diagnosed with that to feel like shit. And you can just be actually really tired and really emotional and really worn out and depleted. And you might just need to really look after yourself for a few months to get back to a place where you can be a really good mum and um something that I do with Byron Bumps is try to raise a bit of awareness with that but yeah you need to look after yourself as a mother before you can be a really good mum absolutely need to fill your cup don't you that's right yeah and what sort of steps have you taken within the postnatal depletion navigation was it sort of okay, I just need to take care of myself or did you need to do anything beyond that, perhaps seeking some uh, exterior help as well? I went and saw my doctor and talked to them about it. Um, I got a mental health plan, which is available to anyone in Australia. You get like 10 sessions for, for like a massive discount um, every year. So I highly recommend using it if you think you need it. Yeah. Um, and I went and saw a yeah, a counsellor and, and that's been really beneficial. Um, but also on top of that, I've just been really looking at my own diet and like just simple stuff like water intake. Am I dehydrated? Like am so I – Yeah, and I can't do a lot about sleep as much as I'd like to because I do – I co-sleep with my baby still and, and we still breastfeed at night and, and things. But I can do things around promoting like wellness for myself outside of that. So making sure I have good support is huge. And I think one of the best things about my um, prenatal classes was the friends that I've made. We all still talk and and there's, you know, a group of maybe 20 mums that are all really well connected on, you know, Facebook Messenger and stuff and we can text each other whenever and look after each other's babies and, you know, have a cup of tea and like have a cry and, and things. And I think that's really been amazing. Um, but yeah, diet, exercise, just the obvious stuff that is so easy to ignore. Yes, that's it, isn't it? It's the obvious stuff that somehow it becomes unobvious when you're in the throes of it all. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're not thinking fully straight and you're not thinking for yourself 100% anymore. You know, you have somebody's life that is so important to put ahead of yours. Well, thank you so much, Kat, for sharing your story that is such an important story to share for so many reasons and I just love the way that you uh, went in confidently into your induction and still had in your mind what you wanted and you didn't let go of that and I just think that's such an important message and it's so easy when you go into an induction experience to be lost in the healthcare system and say oh okay these are the rules they have in place I'm not going to question those so power to you for that Thanks so much for um, letting me be a part of this. And I think that what you're doing is so awesome. And it would have been great for me to have this stuff to listen to while I was 
pregnant and yeah, I'll be um, promoting this and <laughs> recommending it to people for sure. I appreciate your support. And thank you for listening to Cat's Story. I'll be bringing you fortnightly sessions every second Wednesday and you can follow along at The Birth Library on both Facebook and Instagram. If you have a birth experience yourself that you'd like to share, I would love to hear from you.